Well, welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to a whole new level. Exclusively now part of our SCU podcast network. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University. Excited to introduce our co-host for today's show, Ben Gomez. Ben serves at Southeastern University as co-campus pastor and assistant professor. And I'm excited to welcome you, uh, Ben, to the podcast today. How's life been in a pandemic world. Uh, life's been good. Today's a good day. Um, I believe your team, the Clippers, play the magic tonight. The NBA is back. Baseball is back. Sports as we know it are slowly coming back. So I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, the, the bubble is in full action up in Orlando. And uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see see what happens. Uh, of course, yeah, I, I think the Clippers could win it all because there's in that bubble, there's no distractions. They've got the talent. They've got the coach. I mean, they maybe, might be ready. However, yeah. this morning, Patrick Beverly just left the bubble this morning. I've been no, holding that on. I have not seen that. I know. That's why I've been holding it. What? Uh, any reason why? A personal reason. So as long as he gets tested um, often while he's out of the bubble and he's negative, he should join the team. But yeah, that was okay. the latest. He All left. Right. So wow. Reggie Jackson is going to be your starting two guard. Two guard. Or, well, look at you up to date on yeah. to the second of what's happening. Well, yes. uh well, I hope he gets back because we definitely would need him uh, if we're going to make that full championship run, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, somebody has to get under LeBron's skin, and I think Patrick Beverly, <laughs> oh, yeah. like Lance he, Stevenson, can do it. He definitely will. Hey, our, our, on our podcast today, we're going to focus on uh, the idea of developing a leadership pipeline. Uh, you know, here's something I believe is is really a, a non-negotiable. You know, every organization should have a... I've always believed should have a mandate to seek out, to develop, to equip leaders in order to advance the mission of, you know, the organization. Some organizations are great at making this a priority, while others, uh, quite honestly, uh, neglect it completely. And I can, I can say, you know, from experience, I've learned that those who neglect leadership development do so often uh, they do it out of uh, ignorance and they simply don't know what it takes to identify and uh, develop uh, future leaders, you know, in their organization, which is all about, you know, kind of reframing, uh, which is important. Right. Have you, how have you, uh, when you look at reframing and you look at, you know, developing a pipeline, what are, is there an experience that you have you can relate to um, even with your own life? Yeah, I think that um, when I was working at uh, John Hancock uh, Financial in Boston, I think that there was uh, certain uh, new avenues of business that we were developing. Um, and so with every new course, it's, it's, you need people to work the system, uh, for lack of a better word. And so for us, um, there were some critical things that we knew we wanted, some characteristics we wanted in the people that would lead that new line of business. And so, you know, framework of leadership is important. As long as you can identify those values that are intrinsic and that are very important, that are non-negotiables, then people that meet it, you can always teach them what to do, but you can't teach them who they're going to be. Exactly. That's good. You know, here at SCU, it's our organization's desire to definitely create empower leaders. Uh, we want our students, our, our faculty, our staff to leave this university equipped to be a solution to the problem in this world. Uh, anyone can create followers. I mean, it's easy. Uh, but our goal as an organization is to 
truly develop a system that allows young uh, leaders, upcoming individuals, the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to discover and continually develop their call in in leadership. Uh, Ben, as we begin unpacking this idea of developing a leadership pipeline. I've, I've watched you, especially in your role um, uh, in, in the spiritual formation of our community, uh, I've watched you take so many under your wing. And, and tell me why you're so committed to developing these young leaders. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, my parents just got divorced. We left New York City and moved to Massachusetts. And it was two college students from Gordon College that took me under their wing Mm. as a 12-year-old kid. Um, Johannes Fernandez being one and then Elizabeth Pena. They would come over twice a week. You know, I lived in the same town as Gordon College. And they just started discipling me, pouring into me. And so for me, seeing how my life has shifted, I mean, I am in my 30s now toward the later half um, (laughs) of my 30s. And I still have a relationship with them. I still talk to them, um, talk to their kids. And so for me to see how they poured into me and who I've become because of them, uh, for me, it's just paying it forward, paying it forward and doing it for somebody else. Yeah. And, and that's for me, I mean, I can go way back to when I was in high school, my, my pastor, uh, recognized leadership potential in me, uh, and, and the gift and, and was willing to take time to invest in me. I would come down to the church office and, and he let me kind of tag along with different things, uh, you know, from going to hospital visitation to, he showed me how to, um, write sermons and how he prepared his sermons. I mean, it it was just incredible, but the fact that he took time to invest, uh, helped me to really begin to understand how important it is to do that with with those that are under your care, and right. and so yeah, great thing. And you know, creating a, a a leadership pipeline sounds like sometimes a complicated process, but the reality is that it's not as difficult as it's as it's made out to be. Uh, in order, I think, to begin, you know, the process of creating leaders, you have to identify, and that's important. So really, you take the time to. And that comes out of spending time with with you know students, with with staff, with people that that you see and and discovering that potential. And these are the ones you who you can see developing in in the fact that they can literally lead the future of this organization if right. you take the time to come alongside them. These are the ones uh, who you can see take us to new levels in our organization. So I, I want to ask you, what are some of the characteristics you look for when you are, spending time with students, individuals that you walk alongside, what, what are things that you look for so that you, it kind of gives you that, you know, yeah, I need to maybe invest more time. Yeah. I think uh, some of those qualities is integrity, right? Being a whole person, uh, being somebody when the camera's not on, when you're not in the classroom, when you're not in a meeting, are you the same person? Yeah. You know, uh, I like to tell students, are you the same person nine to five that you are 11 to four? Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about 11 PM to 4 AM college campuses, right? You're right. (laughs) So uh, being that whole person, the other thing too is team focused. Um, I look for people that care more about the team than about the individual accolades. If the team wins, everybody wins and the individual accolades will come somehow, right? We let the outsiders, the sportscasters and the writers vote for those awards, but we know that we're winning collectively as a team. Uh, Growing up, like I said, in New York City, the New York Yankees, Derek Jeter, Andy Pettin, Mariano Rivera. I mean, the list goes on, right? I was able to see a team that really won. Um, and the last thing I would say is teachability. 
Mm. Teachability is huge. Are they a student? Are they a follower? Can they open themselves up to not um, say that they know it all, right? Um, I think that sometimes my daughter, who's 13, likes to respond every so often like, I know, Dad, I know. (laughs) And so lately I've been saying, you must have been there when God said, let there be light. You flicked the switch. (laughs) And so she gets a laugh out of that. But teachability is, is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, when I'm looking for new talent, I always look for teachability. I look for uh, people that are humble, uh, relational, knowledgeable, uh, they're engaged. They have a good awareness of, you know, what's going on. What are the issues? What are the challenges? Um, and I've always found that the people who definitely are teachable and humble are the ones that will always be willing to grow. Yeah. They, they want to learn. That's a, that's a discipline in, in their lives. Their capacity will not be limited by, you know, their self, uh, uh, their pride. Uh, and this is something that can't, I, you know what, I don't think it can always be taught. You know, when we see talent that is willing to grow, that's when we have to jump on board uh, to help them reach their full potential. It's the idea of really going after the ones who realize they uh, will never arrive. And, and that's how we have to approach it. We're never going to arrive. So we've got, we've got to be disciplined in our, in our growth track. Um, now that you know, we kind of establish who we should pursue to develop, let's, let's talk a little bit about the how. When it comes to developing leaders, how do you walk alongside leaders to develop them? So what, what's that look like? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think I go uh, via the frame, framework of head, heart, hand head, heart, hand. And so what I first want to do is I want to increase their knowledge base, whether it's books, whether it's podcast, whether it's taking them, you know, to see different people, to experience seminars, right? I want to fill their head with new knowledge. After I have that head, then there's going to be a heart situation. Their experiences now are going to be maybe sometimes contrary to what they just read or what they experienced. So now the critical thinking and the analysis has to come up. Did I, what I read, was that right? Was it wrong? How was it different from my experiences? So now there's this toiling of them growing internally of, okay, maybe I was too biased. Um, maybe I have to change my opinion. This is new information. Once their heart gets full now with a Christ-centered thought, then it's now I'm able to lead them by the hand. And so for me, walking alongside students is I never give them my thoughts or my opinions, even in the classroom, right? Sometimes I say, but doc, you know, what do you think? And I tell them, it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> what are you thinking and how has the Lord led you and how have your experiences helped you for this situation? So when they're able to do that, then it's easy to lead them by the hand and say, let's walk together. Um, one of the things I tell parents is I am called to be the small hinge on the door of opportunity for your student, wow. right? I am the, the least known wipers on the front windshield. Nobody says, look at my wipers. They're so beautiful. No, you only turn them on if you live up north when the snow is on and when yep. it's raining, but they clear your view. So for me, the biggest thing that I do is I try to clear the lenses in which our students, uh, leaders, or even just our regular students just really look at life so they can see clearer and what God is doing in their life. Yeah. I, I think another thing that uh, is good is is to give them opportunity to take risks, mm. you know, to kind of step in um, and have that opportunity to make a decision and go whichever way they have, you know, discerned and, and applied that critical thinking and, and, and take that risk. I believe it's, it's in the moments of doing 
right. um, that a lot of young leaders catch the most important aspects of, of leadership. So uh, I've always discovered too that, um, you know, allowing them to take risk and find their rhythm is, is pretty essential in, in, in their development. Ben, I wish that we we could help everyone develop into a leader, but unfortunately, that's just not all, you know, it's just not possible. Right. Uh, as you're mentoring and developing people, what are some of the red flags that um, you see that would bring into question maybe the amount of effort you allocate to a particular individual? When is it time, in other words, to say, you know what, uh, I may need to move on. That individual's just is maybe didn't fulfill what you thought they would. Yeah. Um, you know, some of those red flags was from my own experience with my, um, with my spiritual father and my pastor. Um, similar story to um, what you mentioned, um, Dr. Gonzalez. Um, there was six of us in a small group with him. And out of the six, um, only two of us kind of finished those three months with wow. him walking through. And what I learned there quickly, and then for the next 20 years, he mentored me. So what I learned quickly is that laziness is a red flag, mm. right? Um, the lack of adaptability is a red flag. Um, ignorance is a red flag. Um, and I say laziness because everybody has access to me, right? Everybody has access to me. So the reality is the ones that are um, diligent in their pursuit will have enough time with me or whoever they're leading, right? And so even for me, there's people that I, I want to be mentored by. And so I make it a point of, here's a meeting, here's an invite. These are the three things I want to talk about. These are the questions so you can be prepared. It's the diligence of seeking, of knocking, um, and it shall be open. And I think that sometimes the red flags is when someone says, hey, I want you to invest in me, or I want to do X, Y, and Z. And then you kind of set up a framework, and then right. they just don't come through. You know, and also I think for us as leaders who, you know, do come alongside, there has to be an element even for us to discover, to learn, to understand time management in that process mm. for ourselves. Uh, we can't give all of ourselves to everyone, especially when it comes, you know, to allowing others into the pipeline of, of leadership. We have to learn to say uh, yes, and and but more importantly, sometimes because of that time management uh, have to learn to say no. And when you see a young person becoming lazy or <laughs> apathetic uh, and complacent, and maybe it is a great time to have that conversation uh, because, you know, we want to be willing to invest time. But if we know it's not making an impact and we don't see that change, then we have to make that time management decision. The same goes for someone who's having a negative attitude or is falling behind, you know, on responsibilities. So right. you need to address these issues. And if nothing changes with time, again, as, as you talked about it, it might be a sign that you need to step away from that individual and, and pour into those that, that you know definitely have those things that can move forward and see growth. Um, you know, as we move into kind of this fire round and close things out uh, in, in our time together today, I, I want us to hit four practical application points okay. that our listeners uh, can take away from this particular podcast. And I'll start off with the first point. If you don't, I think if you don't take the time to know someone, and, and you don't take the time to listen to their story, I don't think you can really discover, you know, the potential that they carry. 
And, and I know as the leader, um, you know, it's, it's our, you know, it's the responsibility of, uh, that we have to develop a relationship with those that we have the privilege to serve so that we can become aware of, of their passions and skills and drives. And, and that has always been foundational to me. I always, uh, you know, a really core value for me is to be others oriented and that it, that takes time and it takes relationship. And this is not a one and done, you know, thing. It will require intentionality. It will require consistency, uh, and sometimes, um, creativity. What's, what's another point we can really take uh, away? Yeah. I think the second point would be lead with your heart before you lead with your hand. As we mentioned, uh, being fully immersed in the life of the people that you're investing in. Uh, I love what you just said, being other oriented. Um, that means that I will take away my likes and, you know, my desires to really fully be immersed in the life of those students that I'm leading or the people that I'm leading, meaning I'm a care for them. I'm a watch for them. It reminds me of one of my students who was my college, um, one of my college leaders uh, for a ministry I did in central Florida that he was like, Hey, I want to go to college, but my mom and dad are not helping me. Um, I don't know what to do. And basically I was like, I'll help you. We filled out the application. I drove him down to Valencia. We met with the bursar. We met with financial aid. We met with the people. We took out the classes. We bought the books. He was ready to go. And so for me, that's how you lead with your heart, that it's not what you do for me. It's how can I help you to better your life? Right. And that, that's important as a leader. That's good. I think an application point number three, if you don't allow someone to step out of their comfort zone, I think, and legitimately take risks as we talked about their potential i don't think can ever be be activated and as leaders we cannot assume that someone will automatically uh you know step into a position that they'll automatically step into a role and begin to really thrive we have to allow them to get their feet wet you know in, in the pool of yeah. responsibility uh and and if they can be trusted in the water then we allow them to dive into the deep end and actually when you dive into the deep end, that's when you really begin to grow uh, exponentially, really, right? Um, in 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 that process. So, what's the fourth one? Yeah, the fourth one. I think just again going piggyback off what you just said. I think we have to create a healthy environment. If they're going to take risk, we have to create a healthy environment for them to fail, to fail forward. Um, I think a lot of times leaders are afraid to, young leaders are afraid to try different things because they think of the backlash they're going to get. And so if we can create a healthy environment for them to fail, to try new things, to be innovative. And the other thing too is on top of that, or in addition to that is how comfortable are we as leaders to give up some of that responsibility? Is it, if you can do what I do at 80%, if you can do what I can do at 75%, is that a win where now I can empower you to lead that area, to lead that, that business line, to, to do the things that I used to do? That empowerment is, is big. But when you have a, a healthy environment of failing, then all those things of empowerment can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ben, I want to thank you for joining us today on, on the Framework Leadership Podcast. I'm thankful for your insight uh, on, on leadership development. And for all of our listeners, I hope that... Um, you know, you leave this conversation with a better understanding of what it takes to develop, you know, a leadership pipeline, whether you're leading strong or struggling to develop young and, and upcoming leaders, it is never too late to elevate your life, to elevate your leadership. We'll see you next time on Framework Leadership. Framework Leadership.